0: You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we're in the middle of the fourth chapter of Rosh Hashanah. We are veering between the question of the authority of the Bet Din and the question of the tefillah and the kavanah, how we carry out the Rosh Hashanah prayers and the intensity or the concentration which, with which we concentrate. Mm-hmm. And remember that we left the subject of the Shofar blowing with the question of whether the hearer had the intention to fulfill the obligation. So we left the Shofar blowing with a question of intention, and then we veered off into the authority of the bet Din. Remember, Rabbi Yochanan and Ben Zakai decreed that the fire should be blown on Shabbat in Yavne when, when Rosh Hashanah fell on Shabbat, just as it was blown in the Temple when Rosh Hashanah fell on Shabbat. So Yavne, to that extent, was like the Beit Midash, was like the Temple. And essentially we're seeing that not only is Rabbi Yochanan and Ben Zakkai emphasizing his authority as the head of the Beit Din in Yavne, but he's also managing the transition between the um, the Beit Midrash and the Beit Knesset between the temple and the synagogue and as if to reinforce the question of Rabbi Yothan and Ben Zakkai's authority the Mishnah brings a series of examples of his use of his authority which are nothing to do with Rosh Hashanah so Yesterday, we learned that in earlier times, the lulav was taken for seven days in the temple, in the provinces for one day only. And after the destruction, Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zakkai decreed that it would be taken in the provinces for seven days. As we do now, we take the lulav for seven days. And we pick up today in the fourth Mishnah of Rosh Hashanah, and we're going to have another example of Rabbi Yochanan Ben Sarkai's, um. Of his rulings. Originally they used to accept testimony with regard to the new moon during the whole day. So, in other words, during the whole day, this is now going to be the 30th day of the month. During the whole day, witnesses could show up. How do they work? Well, remember, we, we always keep need to keep in mind that a lunar month is. T- exactly 29 and a half days so it's exactly 29 and a half days so a jewish month can either be 29 or 30 days either 29 or 30 days and so the 30th day if you like that's the swing day if someone shows up on the 30th day and gives evidence then we can make that day into the first day of the next month if someone fails to show up on the 30th day, then that just becomes the 30th day of the old month. So the 30th day is the swing day. So when the Mishnah says originally they used to accept testimony during the whole day, they mean during the whole of the 30th day. And of course, for the living in the Beit Middash and the Kohanim, of course. It's a problem, because you have to bring the Musaf, sacrifice on Rosh Kodesh, which you don't have to bring on an ordinary day. Mm-hmm. And there was one day when the witnesses were late coming. So they, they didn't understand that it was Rosh Kodesh until really late in the day. And the Libyans sang the wrong Sabbath. We're not quite sure which one they sang wrong, whether it was the psalm of the day, which they got wrong, and maybe, maybe this is actually Rosh Hashanah, and they they sang the wrong song for Rosh Hashanah. We're not quite sure. We suspect this is on Rosh Hashanah. So what happened? So they decreed that testimony should only be accepted until the Mincha time. So Essentially, until the Mincha time, we can still declare that 30th day to be the first of the next month. After the Mincha time, then it's, it's no good. That day is going to be the 30th day of the old month. How do we deal with that? And if, they, if witnesses came after the Mincha that day, then that day should be kept as holy and also the next day. Now we see why perhaps we're talking here about Rosh Hashanah, because we're talking about keeping two days holy. And okay, we know that Rosh Kodesh can be kept for two days, that's our custom, but no haki ulu kodesh, that day holy and the next day holy, that sounds almost as if we're talking about days of Rosh Hashanah, which is what we do today. And today, the custom is that the twenty Elul has twenty nine days, so the thirtieth day is the first day of Rosh Hashanah. But the second day of Rosh Hashanah is what would be the the like the thirty first day. So the next day. So we do keep we do keep both the 30th and the 31st as Rosh Hashanah today. That's how we organize. And that seems to be a reflection of the practice in the temple. So that's what was happening until the destruction. Now we're going to have Rabbi Yochanan Zakkai's After the destruction of the temple, Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zakkai decreed the testimony should be received during the whole day. So again, he's moving the center of, he's moving the locus from the Midash to Yavne, but he's reinforcing the fact that we are now in the world of the Beit Knesset, not of the Beit Midash. We need to announce the new moon, but we don't need to make sacrifices so we're not constrained by the same physical constraints. And we're going to go on with the power and the stages of Rabbi N Benzakai. And Mara Rabbi Joshua Ben Kurfa said, the odds ben And here's another decree that Rabbi Yopinam Ben-Zakai made. Shafilirosh Bekdin before Makom, even if the head of the Beddin was travelling all over the place. So maybe he's out on a business trip outside the Abene visiting some, maybe he's inspecting some site he's out there maybe visiting a mikveh or making other, other arrangements. Even if he's off-site, the witnesses should only have to go to the place of assembly, i.e. the witnesses will show up in Yavne, even though the head of the Bet Din is somewhere else. And we learned, of course, in the previous Mishnayot, the the head of the Bet Din stands up and says, "Mukudash, Mukudash." The head of the Bet Din and all the members of the Bet Din stand up and say, "Mukudash, Mukudash." But it seems that after the destruction of the Temple, that was no no longer necessary. That Bet Din could decree the new month without the without Rav and being in place. So that that is the end of this string of examples, which outline the power and the status of the Bet-Din and of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai as head of the Bet-Din. The Mishnah is then now going to go and articulate the order of the brachot, which we're going to have in the Musaf Amida. And it's incredibly interesting. We're learning from here, by the way, that Musaf Amida on Rosh Hashanah now is very much as it was described in the Mishnah. the brachot. The order of the Avot. This is, the, and we'll see in a minute, we must be referring to the Avot of the Musaf Amidah. Omer Avot u'Rot u'Kudushat Hashem. U'Rot u'Kudushat Hashem. We say Avot, which is the Fathers, u'Rot, which I've translated as powers, it's u'Rot. It's it's Mechayimotim and Kudushat Hashem, the the Hamelach Hakadosh. We we say these three Avot, but. And the the first of these ten verses that we say about God's kinship is included in with the third Brafa, Hamelefa Kadosh. And it kind of seems it kind of seems logical to do it that way. And then Hayom we sorry, imahem We include the kingship verses with Hamalafa Kadosh, but we don't like. Then we do the sanctification of the day, that's um Yisrael be beyom hazikaron. We sanctify the day, and we blow. And then the not, the remembrance verses, and we blow. And then the shofar blow verses, and we blow. So there are three extra, three extra portions in the Musaf Amida, and for each one of them, we blow. And then we say the brafa of temple service, that's um zion. And then we say, that's Thanksgiving, Modim. Interestingly, what we think of as the Bratha of Shalom of peace, the Mishnah calls Birkat Kohanim the blessing of the of the priests. And then we say temple service and thanksgiving and a blessing of the priest. All oh, this is Rabbi and ben Nuri. Yeah, Rabbi and ben Nuri is a well-known sage of the generation of Rabbi and ben Zakkai. He's just a fraction before Rabbi Akiva. I would describe, he's a very, very poor man. I think he might be described in the Gemara as subsisting on a basket of carobs all year long. I think that's Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. It's very poor, very pragmatic. Anyway, this is his view. Amarul Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva. responded. Rabbi Akiva is not going to agree. And we've seen before in the Mishnah. Rabbi Akiva normally his opinion normally wins out. and this is the halakha, by the way, that our practice you'll recognise with Rabbi Akiva. Our practice, Amarul Rabbi Akiva. who must if he doesn't blow the shofar for the kingship verses. Why should he say them? So Rabbi Akiva's got a different method. Ela, Omer Avot, Hashem. He's going to say the Avot, the Gurot, the Mefayamotim. He's going to say the sanctification of the name. The Kolel, the Kolel Ma'afuyot in Hashem. So Rabbi Yotham, Rabbi Yotham and Benuri mixes the Malfayot with the Kedusha of God. Kedushat Hashem. Rabbi Akiva mixes Malfayot with Kedushat Hayom with the sanctification of the day. In other words, he brings the Mafuyot in with um. Mukadeshrael the Yom the Mekadesh Israel the Yom HaZikaron. who blesses Israel and the day of remembrance. And we blow. So we blow on Mafuyot on the blessing of the death. Zikhronot Vetokea. That's Sokher and Shofarot Vitokea. We blow Shofarot Vetokea. We we say Shofarot and we blow. And then we say And then we say the the, um, the temple service and the thanksgiving and the blessing of the priests. So that's according to Rabbi Akiva, and we can recognise our practice in the practice of Rabbi Akiva. So what are these? What are these verses? We don't recite fewer than 10 kingship verses, 10 remembrance verses, and 10 sifar verses. The Gemara has a discussion, this by the way is parallel, the Gemara has a discussion about the number 10, which is parallel actually to its discussion of the number of 10 in public Torah reading. So the minimum number of verses that we can read when we read the Torah public book, this is on Mondays and Thursdays and Shabbat afternoons, the minimum number of verses is 10, just like the 10 and these 10 verses, according to the Gemara, stand variously for the 10 commandments, or for the 10 words with which the the um, world was created, or for the 10 praises which King uh, David brings in Psalm 150. It, it's hard to know what they stand for, but they seem to stand in some way, if you like, for the whole of... I would say for the whole of existence, for praise, for existence, for Torah. Rabbi Yehudan um, Ben Nuri says, Remember, Rabbi Ben Nuri is a pragmatist, so he says, "Look, if you just say three, you fulfill your obligation." And the Gemara here equates the three to the people of Israel, the Israelim. So the same kind of idea. These 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 um, verses stand in some way for the whole of the people of Israel. And we can basically choose whatever verses we like. And in, we have them now written out in our Mahzor, but in those days, the Khazan would choose verses that he liked. And he could actually choose anything he liked, but not verses of punishment. We're not going to, we, we think, we remember we and judged and we're not going to mention verses of punishment. So we're going to begin with Torah and conclude with the Prophets which we do now Rabbi Yossi, well we nearly do Rabbi Yossi Omer If he finishes with a verse from the Torah then he's fulfilled the obligation and that actually is our, our practice now that we conclude, we, we nearly conclude with the Prophets and then we pop in a verse from the Torah in order to finish everything off. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.